to New Hope Young Adults. Let me ask you, are you guys excited to be here tonight? Well, that's awesome. I can feel it. You guys can go ahead and be seated. Hey, in case we're meeting for the first time, my name is Abby, and I'm our Young Adults Director, and hear my heart tonight. I truly believe that you picked one of the greatest nights to come. And I, I, I get that I might be a little bit biased in saying that, but the reason why is because I genuinely believe in the power of this series tonight. And so before we jump into all of that, I just wonder if any of you here would agree with me when you said that maybe there's a time in your life where you've had an experience where something seemed like a great idea. I mean, first glance, this seemed like a phenomenal idea until you went through with it. Anybody? I see some whispers in the house of God over here. That's the honesty section. There's sometimes when we have these great ideas and yet we go through with it and we see it's nothing as close as what we thought. Let me tell you about for me personally, and you can let me know if you can relate to this. I always think it's a great idea for me to watch one of those true crime shows at like 1 p.m. in the afternoon, you know, when it's daylight and there's witnesses around. Great idea. But then it becomes midnight. All right, and I'm sitting alone in my bed in the dark, paranoid about some sound that I just heard. And it leaves me wondering if that crazy axe murderer from Texas somehow found me and is standing outside my bedroom window. It seemed like a great idea until I actually went through with it. Let me tell you another example in my life. There was this one time when I had one of those great ideas on a family vacation. There was this thing where you could go into a live action zombie apocalypse room. And I thought to myself, yes, Abby, this seems like the greatest thing for you to do on your relaxing vacation. And let me tell you, it was a great idea. Until I stepped inside, they shut the door behind me, and some man on the TV told me that the whole weight of the world was in my hands. Before his sentence got cut off because all the lights went off and all you heard were these creepy zombie sounds. And now they're expecting me to just walk into this hallway where all the sounds are coming from. No, thank you. Okay, do you remember in the scriptures where it says that the woman was like clinging on to the garment of Jesus? That was me, except I wasn't clinging to Jesus. I was clinging to the poor guy in front of me's t-shirt as I walked in going, please be understaffed, please be understaffed, please be understaffed, because I didn't want some zombie actor trying to touch me. See, it seemed like a great idea until I actually went through with it. And I just wonder if you've ever noticed where something seems like the most greatest idea until you go through with it. And I wonder if you've ever thought about this when it comes to this idea of forgiveness. See, forgiveness seems like a great idea until you were the one that experienced hurt. And now you have to do the hard work of forgiving someone yourself. C.S. Lewis, he wrote this, he said, everyone says that forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Everyone says it's a lovely idea until we're the ones that say we have something to forgive. And tonight, we're beginning this brand new four-part series titled, Chained to Unforgiveness. And right off the bat, let me go ahead and tell you what this series is not. 
okay, this is not a series that tries to excuse the hurt or the brokenness in this world. This is not a series that tries to justify or simply place a band-aid over abuse. No, this is not what this series is. In fact, I'm going to tell you before we even start tonight that I'm not even going to ask you who it is that you need to forgive. So we can all take a deep breath right about now. Thank you, Father. I'm not going to ask you that question. But I am going to, with you together, give us a biblical context of how we can define forgiveness. Looking at what it is and what it isn't through a biblical perspective. But before we do that, from the bottom of my heart, I want you to know that this message does not excuse any and all the hurt that you've ever been through. Because if we're honest, I don't know what hurt it is that you walked in here with tonight. But can I tell you, I know hurt. And it leads me to say that I am so sorry. Like truly, I'm so sorry that that thing happened to you. And I'm so sorry that those careless words were spoken over you like that. And maybe for you in particular, I'm so sorry that that thing happened from someone's hands who say that they're a follower of Christ. I'm so sorry that that one person who was supposed to protect you didn't protect you like they should have. And I am so sorry that that person left you asking the question, well, how could I ever trust someone again? See, I don't know who they are for you, but what we do know is that they set off a chain of events in you that have now greatly impact how you're doing life, and that's wrong. And this isn't me picking sides because I know there are multiple layers to every single story, but it is me saying I'm sorry. But do you want to know the good news in all of this? There's hope. Because I see all of you here tonight, and you're listening to this message, and there's a hope for you. Healing is possible. Forgiveness is possible. Because through Jesus, he says that all things are possible. And so tonight, I already told you, I'm not going to ask you who it is that you need to forgive. But I do want us to go ahead and define what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not as we look at the true narrative of what forgiveness is in the biblical text. But before we do that, I just got two disclaimers for us, okay? Are you ready? Yeah. Disclaimer number one. This is a four-part series. So please, oh please, I'm begging you almost on my knees, do not miss one single part of this series. If you miss a day or you've got a friend that you want to come and invite them on the journey to, we got a podcast. Link in our bio on Instagram. How about that plug? The people clapping, I think they go here, if you ask me. Disclaimer number two. Can I be honest with you guys tonight? Yes. This is a message that has ministered to me personally. In fact, when I was actually doing the run-through, I had to take several breaks because this is something that Jesus is teaching me right here in the present day. And so if you hear something that you think is good or for you, could you just let me know? Like, you can shout at me. You can say amen, that's good. You ain't gonna mess me up. So let me know that you're with me. Sound good? So if you're ready for the word tonight, let me hear you say I'm ready. Are you ready? 
well, I had it in my notes to ask you again, but you guys sounded ready. <laughs> so tonight's message is titled, The Key to Be Free. Go ahead and look at your neighbor and say, you free? If they didn't look at you, kind of awkward, they must not be free, but it's okay. <laughs> because I hear that God has some freedom for us tonight. So if you're taking notes, go ahead and write this first thing down. Forgiveness is not a one-time situation, but rather a continual invitation. Forgiveness is not a one-time situation. It's not a one-and-done type of thing, but rather it's this continual invitation. In Matthew chapter 6, we see in that gospel that Jesus was sitting on a mountainside and he was teaching his disciples how to pray. And I love this section in Matthew because if you look in Matthews 5, 6, and 7, you see that almost all of the words in that chapter of the scriptures are being spoken by Jesus. So it's his wise, uninterrupted teachings for us. And Jesus is sitting on this mountainside in Matthew chapter 6. And he's giving us a guideline on how it is that we are to pray. And this is what the word of God says. This is Jesus speaking. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the street corners to be seen by others. But truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room. Close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you even ask him. This, then, is how you are to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. But then Jesus goes on to say, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So can you picture it? There's this mountainside, and Jesus is sitting there giving us a model how to pray. And notice in the scriptures, Jesus is telling us we must pray four things. What are they? Number one, we should pray for God's plan to be done. Number two, we should pray for God to give us our daily bread, our daily needs. Number three, we should pray, God, help me to forgive and number four, we should pray that God would keep us safe from evil. But even after listing out all those things, Jesus again goes back and mentions another word about forgiveness. And why? It's because forgiveness is that important. He's modeling to us a daily prayer. On the daily, we should say, Lord, help me to forgive. See, forgiveness is ongoing, meaning it's not this one-and-done type situation, but rather it's an ongoing invitation, a process through us for us to walk through. I love Arthur Lita Turkis. She defines forgiveness by saying this, forgiveness 
is both a decision and a process. It's two things. Forgiveness is a decision, and then forgiveness is a process. So what does that mean? I'm so glad you asked. See, when we say that the decision to forgive, what is that? That means physically forgiving the action that happened to you. Whether it was something done to you or whether it was words spoken to you. We make the decision to forgive. But then there's this process of forgiveness. And the process of forgiveness is forgiving the impact of what someone else's actions has now done in your life. It's the reaction to that person's one action done to you. We must go and make the decision to forgive, and then we're invited along to go through the daily process of forgiveness. So let me make it personal by telling you a little bit about my story. Growing up, I didn't have a very present father in my life. My parents got divorced when I was about two years old, and my dad's house had a lot of abuse within it. And so I just grew up without a very present father in my life. And I remember there was this one time, I was probably about 10 years old, and I was at a New Year's Eve party at my neighbor's house. And I remember sitting on the ground playing with my friends when I overheard my neighbor talking to my mom about his girlfriend. And I remember he was speaking about this girl in such a negative, hurtful way. He said, yeah, that girl's just really hard to love. Honestly, her emotions are too much, and I know it's because of her daddy issues. And I remember being 10 years old, thinking to myself, oh no, I got issues with my father. Does that mean I'm gonna be too much for somebody to love one day too? And hearing that taught me that so easily, I could be defined by a label because of what someone else's action in my family has done. And so what that did is it made me want to stay lockstep in spirit walking with my father. Because I never wanted Abby Ferguson to be defined by the label of daddy issues. So I made sure that I would know my heavenly father and walk with him. Now flash forward to when I became an adult. And I remember there was this one time where we had the opportunity to share our stories with a group of people. And there were four people that could be chosen to be a part of this opportunity, and I was one of the four candidates. And I remember standing in the waiting room, and then the head leader came in, and he said that out of all the four people, I was chosen to share my story. So I was so thankful. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, sir. Like, you're a father figure in my life. I really appreciate this. And so he left the room, and then one by one, the other candidates started to leave the room. But I'll never forget, once everybody walked out, there was one person left, and he looked at me and said, hey, I think it's great and all that you're grateful, but just be careful not to spill out your daddy issues on a bunch of people that don't want to hear it. Can I tell you that I wasn't just hurt? I was livid. How dare someone use such careless words when trying to speak to me? I can tell you exactly what I was wearing, exactly what I was doing, exactly what I was eating when this all happened to me. Because the memory was stuck in my mind. I was hurt. And where you get hurt 
healing needs to then take place. So I remember going home, and it was just me and Jesus, and I started just spilling out in prayer about how hurt that I was. And I realized in that moment, I had to make the decision to forgive. And so right there, alone in my room, I said, Father, I forgive that person for the words that they said. But don't you know that even after I made the decision to forgive that person, the pain was still present. And I noticed that that pain would start to get sparked every time I would see the person who said those hurtful words. And since I was close to them, I probably saw them on the daily. So I then, don't miss it, had to go through the process of forgiving that person. So every time I saw them, when that memory would come up again, I would take it as a moment, you know, to smile, do one of those. And in your brain you're saying, I forgive you. I forgive you a whole lot. I forgive you. And as I went through this process, I noticed that that memory would get sparked up. It went from getting sparked on the daily to then getting sparked maybe once a week. Then after a little bit more time went on, I noticed that that weekly spark went to a monthly spark. Until eventually, I had to actually remember what had happened. Why do I tell you this? Because forgiveness is both a decision and a process. And forgiveness is ongoing. It's not a one-time situation, but rather a continual invitation. We must continually accept the invitation to forgive as we process what happened to us and the impact that that action has had upon our lives. Forgiveness is ongoing. But do you want to know the good thing about this news of forgiveness? We got one person. Do you know the good news about this type of forgiveness? It means we don't need to wait until all things are made right in order to make the decision to forgive. It may take years to fully forgive someone, but the decision is ours to make right now. And then we're invited on a process of continually forgiving that person on the daily, just as Matthew 6 modeled for us. That is the opportunity that we have at hand. And this is the type of forgiveness that gives you the ability to mourn and keep moving. Because we know that with God, when we are hurt, we don't need to make that hurt our home. God's plans for us exceed making hurt our home. That's what our God tells us. So we know that forgiveness is not a one-time situation, but rather it's a continual invitation. Here's the second thing that we know to be true. Forgiveness is defined. Forgiveness is defined. Just as we saw in Matthew 6, Jesus is defining to us what forgiveness is. And to break that down a little bit, I wanted, you, I wanted you to see exactly what I said in my notes. I say it like this. Are you ready? Yeah. Forgiveness is not, don't miss it, diminishing others. And forgiveness is not allowing yourself to become a doormat for other people to walk on. I'm fired up about this point, y'all. Because here's the thing. I'm glad you clapped at that. You want to know why? Because this sentence isn't as pretty as the first one. But sometimes the process of forgiveness isn't all pretty and put together. We're invited to go through this process, and although messy, we're invited to do it with Jesus. 
And the reason why I'm so passionate about it is because so often we can fall into one of two categories when it comes to forgiveness. And I know I could easily fall into both. And so I wonder if you're anything like me and you could do this too. Category one is we can fall into this process of thinking, you know what? You've hurt me. And you've hurt me so bad that you're not even worthy of being in my life anymore. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to diminish you. When I see you out in public, in my conversations about you with other people, in my mind, you hurt me. So it is my right to never have you come into my life again. All right, category one, unhealthy. Then we can fall into this other category if we're not careful. Where we say, well, well I'm Christian. And I know Jesus calls me to forgive. And this person still has to be in my life. So you know what I'm doing? I'm going to forgive him. Now, I might not know exactly what forgiveness is or the process of forgiveness, but I know I should do it. And so I'm just going to walk along in my life operating as if nothing has happened. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray for them. And then maybe one day as I'm praying for them and the Holy Spirit hears me, maybe one day they'll understand the fruit of their ways. But can I tell you, young adults, that's doormat living. And Jesus hasn't called you to live a life being a doormat. See, Jesus did not handcraft you like Ephesians 2.10 says. Jesus himself did not call you a chosen, cherished, royal creation like 1 Peter 2.9 says. For you to walk upon in this life, allowing yourself to get walked upon by other people as if you had no value in you. Last time I checked, you had a Savior who died for you. And his death gives you such a great value within you. And you may be saying, well, give me a verse of scripture. So I shall. Romans 12, 18, it says this. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. See, that is a beautiful, I mean, have you checked it out? It's a beautiful, godly verse. We should strive to live at peace with everyone. But in order to have the latter part of that verse, you have to see the verse in its full context. And do you see what it says at that first part? It says, if it is possible, which tells me that there's going to be some times where it's not possible. There's going to be some times when it no longer is healthy for you have that person in your inner circle as they continue to cause more and more hurt to you. Can I preach for a second? See, often we can take this verse of scripture out of context that happened in the Gospels. And it's when someone came up to Jesus and said, Jesus, how often is it that we should forgive other people? And Jesus replied, truly I tell you, not just seven times, but 77 times seven. Meaning Jesus was referencing that perfect number seven. Telling us that we should always strive to live at peace with everyone. But the thing about that is, is Jesus teaching that to us actually was something very dynamic for the people in that day and age to experience. And the reason why is because the rabbis were under this oppression they were under this impression that due to Amos chapter 1, God's forgiveness to them was limited. 
See, in Amos chapter 1, it said that God forgave the neighbors of Israel only three times, not four. And so the rabbis believed that they had to earn their way to God's forgiveness. But Jesus comes, and he steps onto the scene and flips that teaching on its head. Because of Jesus, we don't diminish others, and we don't stoop down to becoming a doormat. Because of Jesus, we know that he forgives us of our sins. So hear me, even if you define yourself by your worst mistake, God is not. Because of Jesus' death on the cross, when God looks at you, he no longer sees your sin, but he sees his son. And God is not the God of the second and third chance. He's the God of the 77th chance too. God is for you. Jesus so graciously gave us a gift of grace. He purchased forgiveness for us on the cross so that we can forgive. But just because we're called to forgiveness, that doesn't mean that it's going to be a guarantee to allow that person who hurt you to re-enter your life with the same amount of access that they had in the beginning. That's not what forgiveness is. Jesus doesn't call us to be a doormat. But if I'm honest with you, I can so easily slip into that doormat way of thinking. And it's because I love people. So I just want to please people, you know? But I've learned that it's in those times where if I'm obsessed with pleasing people, I'll end up losing the best about who I am. And so we can't diminish ourselves like a doormat. And I remember telling a counselor about this one time, and and they said something that truly blew my mind as they taught me the two biblical types of forgiveness. Restoration, everybody say restoration. Restoration. And this one, kind of a big one, reconciliation. reconciliation. Let's talk about those two things. See, restoration represents physical forgiveness, while reconciliation represents spiritual forgiveness forgiveness. So let me go ahead and break that down. Let's say you're in a relationship and someone cheats on you. Terrible. A hurt has happened and now healing needs to take place. Restoration would look like you choosing to make the decision to forgive that person and remain in a relationship with them. So then the two of you together would walk through the process of forgiving so that your relationship can be mended. God can bless restoration. The other type of forgiveness, you know where I'm coming, is reconciliation. This example, using that same context, let's say you're in the relationship, someone cheats on you. Reconciliation would look like making the decision, remember how we talked about that? To forgive them and then saying, you know what, but I know this person can't have the same level of access to me. So I'm going to choose to go my own individual way, and we can both as individuals now go through this process of healing. Both are types of forgiveness. Both can be blessed by God, but both things are different. And you must for yourself discern what Romans 12:18 is for you. You must discern what that if it is possible means for you in your life. And let me tell you, if there's an area in your life where you're just not sure as to what to do, it's okay to ask for wise counsel and help with that. You can see a counselor, you can see pastoral care. It's okay to receive that type of help. 
Because forgiveness is not diminishing other people. Just as much as forgiveness is not allowing yourself to be a doormat to be walked upon. Forgiveness is a bridge we take to go from hurt to healing. So we talked a lot about what forgiveness is not. Let's go ahead and talk about what forgiveness is. If you're with me, say, I'm here. Forgiveness is freedom. Y'all feel that? Y'all pins got that? Forgiveness is freedom. One of my favorite verses of scriptures comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 36. It says this, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I wonder if you've ever had a nightmare that felt so real before. I wonder if you've ever had a nightmare where you just felt stuck before. I remember at my high school graduation, we had this teacher. Why did she leave me with this last nugget of wisdom? I don't know. But she looked at me and said, don't be surprised if you wake up in your adult life having a nightmare that you're stuck back in school and you forgot an assignment. Now hear me, I haven't had a dream like that yet, but I have had dreams where I felt stuck. And I told you a little bit earlier in the night a little bit about my story, and if you're a first time guest, hi. <laughs> you're getting to know me a lot tonight, and I really hope to know you too. And I hope you can see just how passionate I am about this subject of forgiveness, because Jesus was too. And it's why he so vulnerably went onto a cross to die for you, to cover those areas in your life, to purchase that forgiveness. So in that same vein, I choose to be vulnerable with you. But I remember there was this one time when I was full-grown adult, in my own house, in my own bed, and I woke up terrified over this nightmare that I had had. I was sweating, I was scared to death, and it was because I was stuck in this dream in my childhood home where sin and shame was so present. And I remember waking up from this nightmare just trembling. And as I sat there and started praying, I felt like God was leading me to open up to first, to open up to John chapter 8, verse 36. And as I opened into that passage of scripture, my eyes caught the attention of the verse right before what we just read. Let me go ahead and read it to you. It says this, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. See, this verse reminded me that I no longer stay stuck in the home where sin and shame was so present. That's not my story anymore. And hear me, it doesn't have to be yours either. When you forgive, you change the story. When you forgive, you're a new creation. When you forgive, you place an eviction notice on the house you used to live in, where hurt was your home, and you command that unforgiveness no longer has residency in your life like that. That's what we do when we forgive. And that is what God calls us to do. Because with God, hurt does not have to be your home anymore. And if you believe that tonight, let me hear you say amen. amen. So I wanted to show you something that I saw a great pastor do one time. It was actually something that I saw on reality TV. You know reality TV? Where they put cameras up in your environment, watch what you're doing. And I know what you're thinking, girl, this sermon's about to be over. What reality TV show are you about to end us with tonight? The only one that's appropriate. 
National Geographic. <laughs> Where they come in, shut the cameras. You see, that was funny. But I remember there was this one episode where these researchers were going to Eastern Africa. And they were trying to capture these monkeys so that they could learn more about them. And they noticed that the monkeys were so intelligent that they couldn't find a way to capture them. And so the researchers changed their agenda. And they instead decided to go into the area and start collecting hundreds of coconuts. And they collected these coconuts and then drilled a small hole in the center of the coconut. Not all the way through, but just enough where they can place something inside of the coconut. And so the researchers got together and they got the sweetest rice. And they poured it into the coconut. And immediately a fragrance came about that was so sweet. So the researchers, they got the coconuts full of rice and they tied a vine around it and then hung it from the tree so it was about 100 feet from the ground. They set up all the cameras and then they walked away. And they watched as all these monkeys would descend from out of the trees and they would look at the coconuts, look around, you know, because they're smart creatures. And then they would get a little bit closer. You see how dedicated I am to telling that story? <laughs> and they smell the rice. They look around once more and then they put their hand inside of the coconut. And they would gather a fistful as much rice as possible. What the monkeys realized was once they put their hand inside of the coconut, they couldn't get their hand out because their fist was hanging on to all of the rice. And you might be thinking, well, cute little monkey, just let go of the rice. You let go, you're free. But the monkeys didn't do that. They instead decided that what they were enamored by inside of the coconut was of great value that they were willing to give up their freedom for it. And the researchers eventually captured them. And it makes me wonder, what hurt are you clinging on to so tightly that's costing you your freedom? What unforgiveness do you have a fistful that you're not willing to let go of and now it's costing you your freedom? Could it be that unforgiveness is really a setup for you to stay chained up in a place that you don't even want to be in? But hear me, who the sun sets free is free indeed. You don't have to live that type of life anymore. God speaks more over you. And Jesus did not so vulnerably and boldly go to a cross to cover up your brokenness for you to stay chained up in some hurt that's not even your story anymore. No, Jesus is for you. And he purchased that forgiveness for you. The message of the gospel is Jesus died so that you could walk away with forgiveness free. Meaning that the most beautiful, most powerful, most wonderful being in all creation knows and values you. And at his name, every chain shall break. That's who Jesus is. The most wonderful, most beautiful, most powerful being in all creation cherishes you.
And at his name, chains break. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. God. You tell us in your word that who the Son sets free, come on, is free indeed, God. God, thank you that you didn't just settle us for, for us staying free, but that you did the next thing in telling us that we can be free indeed. So God, I come before you on behalf of all of my brothers and sisters who said yes to knowing more about you tonight in this room. And I pray, God, that whatever hurt has been in their life. God, of whatever painful memory was brought to their mind right now. God, I pray that by your grace, you would cover. God, I pray that by your name, chains would break. God, I pray that today, Jesus, we would begin to take the power back from those who hurt us saying that the power doesn't belong to you. The power belongs to my Father, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who is above every single name. So if you will all stand with us tonight, we want to worship that name together. Father, we love you. God, we trust you. We thank you that the most beautiful, most powerful, most wonderful being in all creation cherishes and knows us. And at your name, God, chains break. So would you do it with us? It's in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus that we all said, amen.